What's going on, everyone? Happy Thursday. Hope everyone's having a great day. I'd like to welcome you back to the Redacted Conversation podcast. Well, welcoming back, sort of. The name is actually new. I'm sure a lot of you that listen to this have noticed that I've kind of rebranded my page. I really wanted to go with something that was going to open me up a little bit more to like different topics. I kind of felt like my old name was sticking me in a niche that was really small. And I wanted to open up to like current events, politics, things like that too. Now, I'm not leaving my goal of exposing toxic beliefs and things like that, of course, but I am opening it up a little bit to different things. So I won't bore you anymore with my intro. Let's just get right into it. Okay, I lied. Before I get into my main topic, I want to bring something else up first. I'm sure by now everybody's seen the story of Mike Lindell having his phone seized at a Hardee's. A Hardee's of all places. I guess at least it wasn't a Burger King. That would have been the only way it could have been any more embarrassing. Well, I just read on Twitter that apparently now he's planning on suing the FBI over it. So we'll definitely be watching that one to see how that one turns out. Okay, on to my main topic. I want to talk today about artificial intelligence and Christianity. Now look, we all know how beneficial AI can be. In fact, AI technology actually drives a lot of aspects of our modern society, including our economy. AI influences our social media, communications platforms, banking systems, manufacturing, military capabilities, and a lot more. In fact, a lot of the conveniences that we enjoy, especially the personalization of various technologies, is driven in some form by artificial intelligence. Now, the AI that we see today is categorized as like narrow or weak AI. Basically, it's a form of AI that can be programmed to do certain tasks really, really well. And it may be programmed to learn, but in a very limited sense. But that's about it. It can't learn in a larger sense, like not the same way that humans can. It won't take in new information and process it the way that we can. And it can't understand things like context. Now, on the flip side of that is general or strong AI. And that would be the capability of a machine to perform many of the tasks that humans can do, including the ability to understand context and make judgments about it. Now, this type of AI doesn't exist outside of the realm of fiction, despite it being the like ultimate goal of a lot of researchers. In fact, whether or not it's possible to achieve this kind of general AI is completely unknown. But even if it is achieved, machines probably still wouldn't process like the way that we can. Or in other words, it, it wouldn't be sentient. It wouldn't experience, you know, sensations like pleasure and pain, suffering, things like that. It wouldn't be the same as a sentient human being. Now, to start out this discussion, I really want to play you guys a clip. This one is from the Southern Seminary YouTube page, and this is R. Albert Moeller Jr. talking about AI and kind of his worries about it. How should Christians think about artificial intelligence? Should we be hesitant to embrace attempts to replicate human cognitive functions in machines? Well, yes. Uh, you know, one of the scariest things we have going on here is that the technology of what's called artificial intelligence is, is fast outstripping any boundaries, any set of rules, any kind of moral expectation. So even the folks in Silicon Valley, who, by the way, are investing untold billions of dollars right now in artificial intelligence because they see it as the wave of the future, even they honestly have no idea where this is going to take us. There are a couple of very clear problems here. One of them is the attempt to create something that's a hybrid of human and artificial intelligence. And, and by the way, any artificial intelligence is not going to be totally artificial because it's going to be inexplicable apart from a human being or a team of human beings who brought it about. Which, by the way, goes right back to the Christian argument uh, the, uh, about the origin of the universe. It's, uh, in other words, intelligent design uh, and creation applies not only 
uh, to, uh, to human beings creating artificial intelligence and AI being inexplicable apart from human intelligence. But of course, you can work backwards from that to the creator as well. But I'm talking about a biological technological hybrid because that, as far out as it might sound, is actually where a lot of investment's going right now. You know, the possibility of somehow merging uh, the uh, human biological and, uh, and otherwise machine intelligence. The other thing to watch is an artificial intelligence that's out of control. And here's where many of the people who are putting the most money into it recognize they know what they're beginning. They don't really know what the conclusion might be. And you can think back to the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, and, uh, and remember the threat of a computer that becomes more intelligent than a human being. Now, by the way, I don't worry about any machine becoming truly more intelligent than a human being because our intelligence is not merely a machine intelligence. It's not merely uh, algorithms and analytics. It's emotions and, uh, well, it's spiritually defined, uh, being made in the image of God. But there are forms of intelligence which, if artificial and if out of control, could be incredibly damaging. Just consider how damaging right now a, uh, a virus is in terms of, uh, of, of the total ecology of software and computer processing. Just imagine if that turns openly hostile. Now, I don't mean morally hostile. I'm not worried about, uh, you really can't imply morality in this, such as you know, artificial intelligence that turns uh, evil. It would be artificial intelligence that becomes nothing more than a malevolent force uh, which is set loose and uh, frankly can't be controlled. So yeah, there's some huge, huge issues here. The last thing I want to say about this is that one of the most dangerous aspects is the blurring of the distinctiveness of humanity. So in the last, say, month, there have been three major books published, one of them by Roger Scruton, the philosopher, uh, just dealing with the fact that, uh, that it's becoming more difficult in material terms, to explain and to define human uniqueness. That's not good for humanity. This is what many have warned about throughout the, uh, the 20th century in particular, and just points to the, to the danger that is, uh, that is lurking behind this kind of artificial intelligence. Not to mention the fact that uh, at this point, certainly I'm not willing to ride in any car that is, is merely driven by artificial intelligence. Now, one of my main issues with this take is that he ignores where we're at in this technology and rather focuses on like a fearful take on it. He seems to think that we're closer to creating an AI that could be basically dangerous to humans, that could blur the distinctiveness of humanity. And that, again, you know, like I said, is something that probably won't ever happen. So essentially what I'm pulling from this is that he has a fear of humans playing God and like somehow dooming the human species because of it. Obviously, this is a pretty popular, you know, topic in like movies and media, but all of that is fictional. I mean, this is a guy that probably sits down and looks at the Matrix like a documentary. And I say that jokingly, but I mean, there are people that do. Now, I was looking at a different publication. It's called Christianity Today, and they actually posed a question that I think kind of sums up these thoughts. They asked, can artificial intelligence created by humans be superior to human intelligence created by God, displaying man's supremacy, glory and independence in himself apart from the creator? Now, after they posed that question, they actually compared AI to a modern Tower of Babel. If you don't know what that is, the Tower of Babel is a Bible story that involves the people of Babel attempting to build a tower that will reach to heaven. Now, in Genesis, the Bible tells us that God came to see the city and the tower they were building. 
He perceived their intentions, and in his infinite wisdom, he knew that this stairway to heaven would only lead the people away from God. The goal of the people was not to glorify God and lift up his name, but to build a name for themselves. And that is essentially what they think that we're doing with AI. Basically, they think that we're trying to prove ourselves to be superior to God, or that they themselves are actually gods. Now, of course, for those of us who understand this technology a little bit better, and I'm no scientist, I'm no researcher, but I do try to keep up on things, we know that's not exactly the case. Artificial intelligence is being designed not to surpass humanity or to surpass God, but rather to be in service to humanity and help humanity free up more time for the important things in life. In fact, one of the funniest parts to me is that they themselves make use of AI. In fact, one of the funniest parts to me is that they themselves make use of AI. When they upload these videos against it, and the algorithm, a form of AI, then helps to push out those videos to their audience. Now tell me there's not just a tiny bit of irony in that. And also, there's no saying what we can and can't accomplish when it comes to artificial intelligence. But again, most people don't believe it will ever be on the same level as humans, who are able to actively think and reason, as well as understand context and feel emotion. You know, like I said, we're nowhere near sentient AI which really kind of throws a wrench in the conspiracies coming from the even more extreme fringe Christians who believe that AI is going to take over the world matrix style. So if I was going to answer that original question, should Christians be concerned about the rise of artificial intelligence? I would just say no. Plain, simple, no. Not unless you're listening to fear-mongering, extreme right-wing, fringe preachers whose only interest lies in control and adhering to an old, like, traditional style of life. You know, the people that don't want to move forward. The people that want to stick us in the past. And just to conclude this little segment, I want to read you guys a quote by Stephen Pollack. I think I'm saying that right. P-O-L-Y-A-K. Pollack? Pollack? Anyway, the quote. Before we work on artificial intelligence, why don't we do something about natural stupidity? Honestly, we should. So here's a question that I have. Why do so many professing Christians seem to ignore so much of what the Bible has to say? Honestly, I wish I could answer that. And I'm going to let that question segue us into a talk about Ron DeSantis. Yay, Florida man. See, he recently just pulled a political stunt where he sent migrants on planes and buses to be dropped off in more heavily progressive places, two of which including outside the vice president's residence in Washington and in Martha's Vineyard. In fact, a lot of Christians in the right wing in general has a history of mistreating migrants. But what does the Bible have to say about it? I mean, they're Christians, right? They should be reading this stuff. Well, Leviticus 19.34 says, The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you, you shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Ezekiel 47.22 You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourself and for the aliens who reside among you, and have begotten children among you. They shall be to you as the citizens of Israel, with you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. Are you guys catching a theme yet? What the Bible refers to as aliens or immigrants should be treated as citizens. Matthew 25, 35. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. I'm curious what part of this they don't understand. And honestly, I could go on, but I think that's probably enough to prove that a lot of conservative professing Christians don't care for what the Bible actually has to say. 
In fact, if they had to live in an actual Christ-like manner, I don't think they could do it. So what about now? I mean, this is, you know, a few days old. What's happening with those migrants? Well, under the law, once migrants have been released by border officials and serve documents to appear in court, they are no longer in federal custody and are free to travel within the United States. And it's not illegal for a state government to pay for that travel. But, and here's the but, if there is evidence the migrants were lied to by state officials about where they were going or what was awaiting them, as some attorneys have alleged, these migrants could actually sue for fraud and severe emotional distress. So honestly, it's really up in the air what could happen moving forward. A lot of the migrants that were moved were most likely actually planning on claiming asylum as they did turn themselves into border officials. But of course, unfortunately, that also means the possibility of a years long ordeal, essentially leaving them in sort of an immigration limbo. But as time goes on, I'll keep looking for updates to see what's going on with this. But for now, at least, it seems like they don't really have a whole lot of options and they are kind of stuck in a limbo, unfortunately. And all because of, again, self-serving professing Christians who, if they actually read and understood the Bible, would not have pulled off a stunt like this. But I mean, I've talked before about what happens when you start mixing politics and religion. Things like this are the result. All right, let's go ahead and do my Trash Preacher of the Week. Now, with the rebranding, I wasn't exactly sure the direction I wanted to take this in, but for this week, I'm just going to stick to the original segment. But I have considered extending it to, like, politicians and stuff, too. So, like, preachers and politicians. But honestly, I'm not sure yet how everything's going to go. Welcome to the Trash Preacher of the Week. So today's fun selection comes from a preacher referred to in the video simply as Brother Davis from the Shield of Faith Baptist Church in Boise, Idaho. Now you'll probably recognize that name because I talk about Joe Jones, their lead pastor, quite a bit, but I do see some people occasionally filling in and this is one of those times. And why does Brother David, and by the way, I think I said Davis up above, I meant David, earn this distinction? Well, it's for preaching an entire sermon called Tupac Shakur is in Hell. I know, kind of a clickbaity title, isn't it? But it's not just clickbait, honestly. It's literally an hour-long sermon about Tupac. Rolling Stone magazine ranked Shakur among the 100 greatest artists of all time. Again, why I preach a sermon like this? Well, it's to expose a major world influencer, to expose someone that is looked up to amongst people who would even consider themselves Christian. A lot of people believe this guy to be a Christian or a super spiritual person when he was actually far from that. Now, throughout this sermon, Again, I'm going to be giving you all quotes from interviews and lyrics to his music, and I'm uh, just to cover each of my points, and I'm going to try to PG some of the stuff, okay, uh, that I'll be reading for you uh, this evening, because a lot of it's, you know, it's very explicit, you know. Turn to 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. So for point number one, I'm coming out right away with the sure shot, with the kill shot, and that's Tupac did not believe the Bible. Tupac did not believe the Bible. Now, I have this interview from Vibe magazine. Supposedly, this is one of the last interviews uh, that he ever did. And the topic of God and religion was brought up. And, and, and keep in mind, this is full of expletives, so I'm changing the wording up a little bit, you know, but it still has the same meaning, okay? And this is what he says. Quote, I talked to every God there was in jail. I think if you take one of the O's out of good, it's God. And if you add a D to evil, it's the devil. Very insightful. Very intelligent. He says, I think some cool MF sat down a long time ago and said, let's figure out a way we control MFs. And that's what they came up with. The Bible. 
Now, I'm pretty sure that he came up with this sermon because we're coming up to Tupac's date of death, which was September 13th, 1996. But just consider that for a second. Tupac died 26 years ago, 26 years ago, and they're now exposing him or what they consider exposing. I mean, talk about being low on ideas. In fact, his sermon actually kind of reminds me of an updated version of the old like documentary style film. They sold their souls for rock and roll. I believe you can find it on YouTube if you're unfamiliar with it, but honestly, it's kind of a snore fest. It is good for the occasional laugh, but it'll put you to bed. I mean, the whole premise of it can be summed up in like one sentence. It's believing essentially any secular artist is aligned with Satan and listening to their music will send you to hell. That's it. And I mean, maybe it's just me, but it seems like kind of a sad attempt at more fear mongering. And there's a quote from his song called Nothing to Lose, where he says, I pray to my God every day, but he don't listen. And you know, you, you can't help but wonder, well, what God is your God? What God are you praying to? You said you talk to every God there is. You're talking to a bunch of devils. That's what he was doing. You're not praying to the Lord Jesus Christ or God the Father. For this narrow-minded and fear-mongering style of sermon, Brother David is my trash preacher. So uh, Joel Osteen was actually recently trending on Twitter as I was going through and writing my talking points for this episode. And I thought it was kind of funny as to the reason why. It's because people are wondering why he can't open his multi-million dollar megachurch to help out some of the migrants that I talked about earlier. Keep in mind though, this is the same pastor that took $4 million in PPP loans, loans that he did not need, and the same pastor that also refused to help Hurricane Harvey victims as well. And any help that he did provide to Harvey victims was after a very harsh and public backlash. Because at the end of the day, he's out to promote and protect his brand. Nothing more than that. I mean, this is a man who's made over $40 million from the word of God, refusing to help during multiple humanitarian crises. Isn't that kind of what the church is for? To help the less fortunate? Doesn't the Bible, in fact, command people to help the less fortunate and the foreigners? Yes. Yes, it does. All of those Bible verses that I read off earlier apply to this as well. But again, we're talking about megachurch pastors. This is a pretty common theme. They're quick to take money, not too quick to help usually. In fact, if they have a God, it is money. And it's pretty universal. I mean, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, all the way back to Oral Roberts. This is a very common theme. All right, everyone, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you liked it and you're listening on Spotify or Apple, I would be super appreciative if you would leave a review and a rating. That kind of helps everything to get pushed out a little bit further. I hope everybody has a great week and I will talk to you next Thursday.